Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another episode of Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey guys. Um, just like previous week, um, if you want to listen to our podcast, we are on all the major podcasting platforms and any questions you can of course ask us on Instagram, MedFamilyMD. So Karen, how has the week been? It's been a week. Um, we had a little bit of a sickness in the house, but not too bad. And, um, so we only made it through three days of school, but we started before the school year actually starts in North Carolina. So getting the head start. (laughs) We're doing fine. Um, but, um, yeah, and I think um, this week, Eric's going to try and take the older two kids to the planetarium. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that'll count as a field Saturday. trip. Saturday. That's, what today, what day is today? 22nd. Tuesday, yeah? Yes. Okay, sorry. Yes, it's a Saturday, <laughs> so I need to buy tickets. When your days are off, don't coincide with weekends. It's, it throws <laughs> you off a little bit. Yeah, so um, we discovered that uh, Fayetteville University has quite a large uh, planetarium, and they put on uh, put on shows every now and then. Yeah, so. themes like certain themes like uh, supernovas and stuff like that, and our kids seem to be wanting to be a part, you know, learn more about that sort of stuff. So yes, we'll they have asked for a telescope for Christmas and keep, <laughs> Oliver keeps wanting to go to space. So we thought this might be a good outing and we were doing, um, dad, dad dates, um, in Georgia when we could. And so we're going to try and continue that. Uh, and this is pretty reasonable cost. Yeah, I think it's like $3 per kid and $5 per adult. So really reasonable. It's going to be like, what, $12, $11 for the three of them to go. Um, and I think this one's on exoplanets. So Fun. Fun. I, mean, I, I know very little about <laughs> astronomy. I know how to find the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and sometimes Orion's Belt. And that's about as much as I can really... Uh, I can really figure out. So that's, it's going to be fun. It'll be a learning experience for myself as well. And it's like seven o'clock at night. I'm on admits. So it's, uh, shouldn't be that big of a deal. I should be able to, I haven't been getting off very late. I think six, six thirty has been the latest I've left. And that was just because I got derailed by an attending. Um, I needed to go back and fix some things up with, uh, the medical decision-making component of my note. So uh, they yeah. had a particular way they wanted it written, and I wasn't doing it the way they wanted it to. So Yeah, so that was that was actually kind of funny because Eric had texted me during the day, and he was like, I got called to the principal's office. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is going to be a fun thing to hear about when he gets home. And as he's, like, talking about it, he's like, well, but the second year also got called in. And like everybody gets, everybody gets pointers. Everybody gets, it really wasn't that bad. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, as much as you think you're in the doghouse, other people are also 
learning and getting corrected and you're not going to get it all within your first year. You're going to have corrections in your second year. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you, you're not going to be perfect and like, just got to have the attitude of like, I do not know everything. I am going to do my best, but you know, we are, we're learning. Um, that's sometimes hard cause you, you want to have a little bit of pride in your work and feel like, you know, a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> but like you knew, I knew it was, it wasn't going to be like a great, so like initially I was sitting in, in the GME workroom and I got a message for the secure chat from the attending going, call me. Uh, it's like, oh, that's never a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> like, the attending wants me to actually talk to her person to person, not just like jot down. If she was just to be like, hey, uh, this is a, one little thing I want you to look at or do or hey, this, by the way. But it was like, call me. I was like, okay, what's your extension? <laughs> so... Uh, so she was talking to me on the phone and we were going through just something that she had noticed on one of my notes. Like, I think I had missed uh, the patient having low magnesium in their blood, but it was like the ED had replenished it. So I didn't really bother to note it, but it was something that we should have been keeping the eye on or we, we would want the, the, uh, admit team or the, the floor team to keep an eye on once we handed them off. So it's like, you need to have that. And you know, I'm like, that's right. Yeah. I mean, of, of all the things, it's not a major thing, but it is something, you know, it's something that the floor teams are going to monitor and manage. So that was one. And there was, a, I think, like the surge, like I, I've been relying a little bit on the system being smart and just auto-populating. Like, hey, if someone else went in and put in all this patient surgical history, when I type in history and physical, the entire note like prop basically populates of all the the stuff that honestly nobody looks at, but <laughs> <laughs> I, that sounds terrible. But like you, like when you need to know about the surgical history, you will ask about it. Um, and it, sometimes it's good to just know. But like I know when I glance over a note, I kind of skip past the family history and I kind of skip past the the surgical history unless it's like, oh, I'm thinking small bowel obstruction. How many abdominal surgeries did this patient have? Or oh. Uh, the 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 vitals are weird. Do they do they not have a thyroid? <laughs> do they have a thyroidectomy? Um, I don't generally look. Um, there was a there was a, a reason why I mentioned that. There was a um, a morning report where they were talking about a patient who I think it was like they were in the ICU and they had like a VT and they coded and so. Because of that, they were reducing the patient's levothyroxine, and then there's another one that's basically the T3 or T4, I can't remember. Anyway, they they, they reduced this patient's thyroid hormone and the in the ICU because it was they thought maybe it could be contributing to the patient getting VT. Well, the patient recovered and went home, but they were... I think the discharge instructions were unclear. It said the tape, like they, the ICU wanted the patient to taper up back to the normal home dose. But I think the, the team that discharged the patient just said taper. So it was unclear probably to the patient whether they should, you know, what, how they were supposed to deal with their thyroid medication. So a few weeks later, the patient's back in the ED with some very weird vitals and not doing really good altered mental status and apparently it turns out she was in a mix edema coma so uh she was not taking her thyroid and it also turned out unbeknownst to anyone that she had had a thyroid removed years ago so 
So she, like, needed she, that really, she really did need the medication. <laughs> like she really was hypothyroidism. And uh, so that, that is probably an example of uh, with a, the surgical history. Anyway, my attending was like, you need to like look at it at least. And if it basically says not on file, then you need to put something in there. Because if it just says not on file, it means you didn't do it. It's like, oh, that's a good point. Not on file is not, you know, it's either no surgical history or, hey, these surgeries have been performed. Um, so I had to fix that. I had to fix a couple of things. It wasn't a big deal, but she overall, she liked my note. Like, that was the, the, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but it was like, she was like, you do a really good job of writing out and explaining your thought process. And really, I was like, yes, that's what I go for. That is what I'm doing on my notes. So I'm super glad that somebody has noticed it. I have not wasted my entire effort. <laughs> um, I have occasionally glanced back at patients I had admitted because I, I think I set alerts for certain lab results to come back just in case they come back while I'm watching the patient. And like a couple of days later, the, the alert will come back. And so I'm glancing at the patient and I'll notice that people are still using <laughs> my entire formula uh, format for their notes. So the progress notes has my, basically everything I wrote and they just maybe made minor edits here and there. So that's always nice. It hurts a little bit though. when like I have, I, there was one patient I ordered a TTE just to do a workup on possible near syncopal episode just to be like hey i just want to rule out some cardiac component and structural cardiac component and then the floor team was like nope don't need that cancel i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> i love hearts i want to see more of them <laughs> i want i want i want to set tte come on just give me give me a tte like <laughs> hurts a little bit but <laughs> it's okay so Difference between admit team and floor team. Would you say, I think probably the biggest difference is you have to get your note in faster. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely more time to do work. I mean, I don't have seven patients or eight patients or whatever to work on. Um, and nobody's really waiting on my note per se. And, and even on admit team, nobody's particularly waiting on your note. Because I don't hand off patients until about 4 p.m. I just like to get it in and done because the patient is moving from the ED where people kind of know what's going on to the floor at some point where they may not have a clue what's going on. And so even if a nurse would look over the note, they at least have a chance to be like, oh, that's what's going on. And then sometimes it's helpful to have the note in quickly because then if you've ordered a bunch of stuff, and pharmacy is looking over the orders. They have a note to look at and try to understand why you've ordered certain things. And honestly, God bless pharmacy because they they have saved me quite a few times on certain things. And it's like, no, you don't want to do that. Or have you considered doing this other medication? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> how about we switch to that? No problem. I'll take care of that. I'm like, thank you. Uh, so sometimes pharmacy is awesome. Uh, oftentimes pharmacy is very awesome because they they catch a few things that maybe you forgot to cancel a certain order. Or maybe you uh, uh, like you forgot that Lovenox is, uh, you know, dealt with by the kidneys and you've ordered a full dose of Lovenox for a patient who has a uh, you know chronic kidney disease stage four and, <laughs> and they're like you sure you want to do Lovenox and not heparin like just uh 
something to think about. It's like, yeah, that's right. Uh, let's switch to the heparin. That's fine. <laughs> well, we, that's... we don't anticipate a procedure anytime soon. <laughs> that is part of their job. <laughs> that is part of their job, but it's like, it's but part it of my job to know that. But it is a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's my job to know that. So it's it's good that pharmacy catches a lot of that stuff and they they do a lot of good work in the hospital. They, um, yeah. Well, to be fair, that happened quite often at the long-term pharmacies as well. Or when you the, were working, when I was working there, it the, happened quite often where the pharmacist would call the doctor. Are you sure you want to do you that? Sure, you want to do that? Well, could you maybe just use this med and do it will accomplish both? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely times when like you're juggling so many things, and especially on Eat South, I noticed that when pharmacy would be there, they would be like, "Oh, by the way, this patient has COPD." Uh, but they're not on the gold standard uh, medications. Like, you know, there's the gold criteria and there's certain medications everyone with COPD should be on. And same with heart failure. Like there's certain drugs, especially if you have reduced ejection fraction heart failure, there's certain drugs you should be on. And the pharmacist, the pharmacy was like, hey, this patient just doesn't have this one particular drug. Do you guys want to make sure that's in the in the works for the patient? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yes. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we'll add that. <laughs> Like, it's not that we haven't paid attention to it or we're ignoring it. It's like we're, there's so many other things going on that it's it can be it can get lost amongst all the other medications and things that we're handling that it can get overlooked. So yeah, uh, well, pharmacy is a kind of interesting thing, especially when you're staying in like a sniff or out. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sniff <laughs> stands for <laughs> short uh, short term nursing facility. Yeah. And Alpha's assisted uh, living facility. Assisted, okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, when when you're staying in those, depending on what your insurance is, so like if it's a Medicaid or a Medicare stay, like you automatically switch medications to uh, either brand or cheaper because the facility is the one paying for it, and insurance insurance doesn't necessarily pay cost <laughs> well, I mean, for some of them like for one example would be like, tri- like for trilogy would be a good oh. uh, like trilogy is a, a three drug combination for copd and like even our pharmacy doesn't carry trilogy you mm-hmm. have to kind of piece it out like okay you want this you want a long-term act you know a laba a llama <laughs> like you put it all together in a like an inhaled corticosteroid or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Like lava lama and co- uh, inhaled corticosteroid. But so you, we don't have trilogy. We have to piece it together. And of course, if we're doing COPD exacerbations, we don't do uh, inhaled corticosteroids. But yeah, I think the most common one is if uh, patients on Vanco. Uh, yeah, but Vanco's typically IV. Yeah, so we put then most of the time you stick them on Furvank, which is the same it's it's the generic but it it's not covered See, by insurances I, 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 after dealing with vank like a few times on the floors and you know how we order a lot of people order it kind of reflexively and it's a great kind of broad spectrum antibiotic but the way our hospital does it i'm not sure if other facilities and i don't know how you're like when you were working for mm-hmm. the farms like we have our orders are actually like ordering vank we don't actually put in a dosage. We just say pharmacy to dose. Yep. And <laughs> we just let them do it. Like, go. 
Like you can look at the patient's labs, the body weight and all that fun stuff, do the calculations. You do all the labs for the Vanco trough and you adjust accordingly. I don't have anything to do with it besides the fact that I want the patient on Vanco. Yeah, like. <laughs> but it was always interesting to get the phone call. What is this? Oh, it's the generic form of Vanco. Like, so like, would you guys dose? The, uh, I mean, well, I guess that's what I I'm wouldn't. curious about. Like, these are Alps and sniffs. So, like, I just can't imagine like they have somebody, I guess, hooked up to an IV, uh, IV antibiotic. That seems weird. Well, to each me. facility has their in-house doctor. Yeah, but like, I mean, that sounds almost like a floor. You know, like it's a like a subacute. Maybe it's maybe a subacute rehab. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was for a lot of sniffs. Interesting. I guess maybe it makes sniff. sense. Sniffs have, get... have a little bit closer nursing to patient yeah. ratio, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Well, if you get like a new hip or something. Yeah, we had a lot of patients when I worked for ortho that would go to sniffs. Yeah. You get PT pretty frequently. Yep. Um, so yeah, but we'd have a lot of families call and be like, um, "This isn't covered." And then you'd have to go through the whole thing. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's because your stay changed and they didn't switch over to the vancomycin that's covered by insurance. Uh, but Furbank <laughs> is actually cheaper. It's the same thing. And then you'd go through and, I mean, what we would do is we'd just, okay, your insurance would pay. It's not pay. on the formulary, essentially. It's not. Like Vanco would be, but it would cost so much more. So your copay is like more than what the fur right. bank would be or something like that. Right. So it would only be like a couple dollar difference. So then you'd just comp or you'd reimburse the family those like two bucks. L- let's be honest. Like this is the joy of inpatient hospital. Like you well, at least the, the beginning bit. Like you don't care. I mean you you care but you don't care. Okay. Like, your job is just to treat the patient as you best see fit. You can't do a whole bunch of outpatient-like stuff. Like, you can't do a full workup. Just like, hey, for the fun of it, let's just do these other workups. Like, but by and large, in the inpatient, you're just like, order this, order this, order this. I don't have to worry about this patient's formulary. I just have to order these things. And the only time it gets confusing or tricky is discharge. When you're trying to do the med reconciliation and being like, yeah, take this medication... And then the pharmacy would be like, eh, actually, their insurance doesn't cover this anymore. So you need to find something different. So, yeah. That, but that is the joy of uh, inpatient, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Outpatients can be really difficult. I Like, I remember uh, we had this one patient and the facility totally screwed up <laughs> because the the formulary would only pay for certain dosages of this one medication. So they had four different prescriptions for this one medication at different dosages so that we could get the patient the dosage that they needed. And the facility... You're talking like one dose is 15 milligrams, one one's 7.5, five. one's... Yep. So it was like a 5, a 10, a 20, and I don't know what the, what the other one was. But the facility decided... That oh we don't have enough of this dosage so we'll use we're gonna two seven point five yeah and we're gonna make use a two 15. of this and it'll work <laughs> and it screwed up the whole because you can't you can't refill, you can't refill until and, yeah it was, and I'm guessing you couldn't split the pills or any something no, like that and no no so like, it oh was my a gosh. mess it took me like half a day to figure it out I was just like. Those are the worst, honestly. Like, <laughs> honestly, like those are the worst. Where you're just like, I have two prescriptions here for. Oh, it's a different dosage. That's weird. 
Like, yeah, I wonder why we couldn't. Are... Like, wonder why we couldn't. Oh, it's probably because of this, and or like an insurance thing, or it's like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. Yeah, how do I get into the almost equivalents? always <laughs> always workarounds so that you can try and get it covered, but um, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit crazy how you can get something covered. I think my favorite story is when you had the, the patient that had like a psych med and they changed different insurance coverages and the new pharmacy benefit was like no you have to work your way up to that psych med and the facility was like the guy goes into like a homicidal rage if he doesn't have this psych med and it costs like thousands of dollars or it something was a like very that. expensive medication <laughs> the facility's like we're just gonna pay for it if it doesn't come like for the insurance <laughs> if the insurance doesn't you know well, is going to come we'll thing, pay for the it the worst but like, thing oh my was gosh. it was like the sister company the sister insurance oh, company oh yeah it was like Optum and <laughs> it was just like Optum. it's, like, it's like wait a minute no 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 yeah that was a, another long day I that was like the only patient I worked on that day and I felt so bad because like this elderly elderly gentleman the dad is the one that's paying for his son's psych psych uh, he's his son is on his insurance, and like the patient is so bad that he does not leave the facility. Like the doctor actually comes to him because yeah. it takes too many people to transfer him and for yeah, everything he, to be he's good. A, he's got some yeah. issues, <laughs> <laughs> some violent tendencies, you might say. Yeah, and that... you can imagine of us. I mean, like it's hard. It's hard to find facilities that will take patients especially ones that have psych issues mm -hmm. and especially if the person has like once the person has like assaulted people like facil and they that patient goes back goes to the hospital it's a good chance that patient's not going back to that facility like as soon as you start assaulting people the facilities are like we're done with you moving on because like it's it's liability for them too like they want their workers to not have to yeah, be assaulted. Be yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh man, if we can keep this patient from assaulting somebody, that would be great. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's so many issues that go into placement. Yeah. So many issues. Uh, but, like, there's a ton of issues that go into placement. <laughs> but that that was like that was one of that was a little bit of a derailment there. But like that, <laughs> that was still one of my favorite stories you had told me about. That it's just like that's wild. Just the fact that it was like it was Optum through one company changed to another. And that other opt-in was like, oh, we don't know anything about this patient. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying, like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> it started, a, like, it started, a, I don't know, with some umbilify and work your way up. And it's just like, no, 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 no. But anyway, anyway we, the, the admin team is, is full of uh, lots of fun little learning experiences for sure. Um, I did want to, I guess, touch on, I guess, a learning topic because something I've learned this week. It was a, a little embarrassing because it was it kind of highlighted the math issue. But <laughs> so we had a patient that uh, knee pain and um, like sudden onset knee pain, and we were thinking possibly gout. I think the ED was thinking possibly gout, um, but uh, somewhere along the way, someone decided to tap the knee. And it was like a bloody tap, so there was blood in the like very red. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't clear. It wasn't like serosanguis. It was red. It was deep red. Apparently, I I didn't see it, but um, 
so <laughs> that kind of opened up like a big old can of worms of like what what could be causing this patient's uh, knee pain because they you know non weight they couldn't put any weight on it. Um, really, maybe some some chills, but like really, like white blood cell counts pretty normal. But here you have is this <laughs> really really high, um, really deep red, and, and also I should mention no history of bleeding disorders, no hemophilia, no other um, A or B, whatever, and then no history of trauma. So it was like, okay, this is we're trying to figure out why is this patient suddenly having this excruciating knee pain and why is it bloody um so i don't really have the answer to that <laughs> but um obviously when you get a knee uh, maybe a pro tip here when you do decide to tap a knee joint and you i mean obviously you're looking for gout and you're looking for infection so you, your first two things are going to be crystals looking at every facility i think is going to have their own um, version of this lab so you just send the body fluid to the lab for with for a crystal analysis and so they'll do like the biofringence blah 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 um then there are also you're going to want to do cell count because hey isn't that helpful to know how many cells you have what, what, what kind of cells you have and how many you do with with differential so so cell count with differential and then crystals the third one <laughs> this is like a i think my attending said it was like a 50 50 shot here so um, if you're thinking possibly septic joint, 50% of the time, the, uh, if you culture it, it will come back with some kind of pathogen. Sometimes it won't, sometimes nothing will grow, but you still have a septic joint. So, um, please, please, please make sure you send the culture. <laughs> like it is so helpful to have the culture. Cause, uh, we had one and it's just like the culture wasn't like, they did everything else. They did a really good job at just you know, everything else, but like um, no no cultures. So that that was kind of a bummer. Um, and that's harder to, you know, try to deal with later. But in any case, um, we, oh, what did we do? So the learning thing, uh, so we got the cell counts. And I, I guess the, in step one and step two, you kind of learn. Oh, a septic joint. You need fifty thousand white blood cells uh, in the in the fl fluid to really feel like you've gotten yourself a septic joint. And below, it's kind of ambiguous. It's like, what what is it? Uh, <laughs> so fifty thousand white blood cells is like that. Yes, we have a septic joint. We will treat. Um, but that's not, I guess, how it's practiced. It's not really. Um, it's not the greatest way to do it. So I was, we were looking it up and, uh, the ratios I think are, there's something online and there's something that my attending said. So just kind of take it with a grain of salt. You have some fudgeability when it comes to this. So the, the general thought process was like, you typically have about 500, what was that? Was that 5 million red blood cells. Um, and then in within that quantity, I can't know what the, the actual quantity is, like 5 million within a certain amount, obviously, certain volume. And then you have roughly, um, let's say, 5,000 white blood cells. So your ratio is about 1,000 to 1. I think online I saw it's like 600 to 1. So somewhere in that range. And you could probably go a little bit higher and feel like maybe there's just a little extra red, white blood cells. So that's when you're looking at the cell fluid and you're looking at the, <laughs> the, the cell count and you're going, wow, half a million 
half a million red blood cells. That's a lot. And then you're looking at the white blood cells and being like, wow, that's like 17, 18,000 white blood cells. Like, that's a lot too. Like, in, in a fluid, that should be zero. So, like, how do you know it wasn't just a traumatic tap? How do you know they didn't, you know, lance some sort of arteriole that bled into the, <laughs> in there, and you just pulled a bunch of blood out of, you know, from basically the bloodstream? Well, I guess you check that ratio. Like, okay, well, if I have 500, if I have half a million red blood cells, I should expect to see about only uh, 5,000 white blood cells so it's 17 18 16 whatever thousand is high it's higher than you know and even if you go oh i should only see five thousand you can even bump that and go like eh, seven eight thousand would be probably acceptable um but when you get 16 it's like okay that's high that's higher than so it's not like fifty thousand where you're like for sure this is a septic joint but it's like well is this on its way to being a septic joint like is it is it infected and just hasn't quite reached the 50,000? So that was interesting. Um, but I thought that was a good way to kind of look at it as well. It's maybe helpful to, to look at those cells and kind of go, okay, how do I know? Because especially when you, in, in a sterile, in a sterile fluid, your, your, your joint fluid should be sterile. Uh, they should have all very, just like your spinal fluid should have very few cells hanging out in there. And when you're looking at giant numbers, like how do you know you didn't just have a traumatic tap? Um, so that's one way to possibly consider and think about Karen's laughing at me, but no. but the, the, the problem was, is that it was a math issue. Uh, me and the other intern were being asked our attending, like how many red blood cells other typically in in a draw and we were both blanking on he's like it's five million guys come on and it's like oh okay and he's like well how many white blood cells would there be and i'm just like mm. <laughs> and he's like it's about five thousand guys like what's that ratio and it like we were galaxy brain and then it was like oh well, the ratio would be five thousand to one he's like really guys like <laughs> were you like uh 500 to one and he's like no <laughs> it's 1,000 to 1, uh, just based off of those two numbers anyway. So it was a, it was pretty bad. It, it wasn't wasn't the shiniest moment I've had in, on a math. I was starting to like write out 5 million and then, then try to like write out 1,000. Like how many zeros am I working with here exactly? <laughs> like I, I'm off by something here. But anywho, we we learn. We, we learn. Um, but it's been kind of a learning curve for sure and then like one of the maybe more frustrating bits on on admin is like trying to do your history and physical on a patient and you walk away just not being a hundred percent sure of what you are like we know the patient's sick they're not doing well admitting them seems to be the right idea but like what what is their issue like what exactly like everything's a little soft like is it is it a COPD exacerbation? Is it a UTI? Is it pyelonephritis? I don't really have, like, I have some of the stuff for the diagnosis. I don't have everything. Like, like sure, I mean, they have COPD, but they're, and they're coughing more, but they're not really, it's not a productive cough, and the white blood cell count isn't high. And, uh, it's just not, like, it's, it's a kind of a soft, 
it's a soft COPD exacerbation. Like they're sweating like crazy, but they don't have a fever. Uh, they, they, their urinalysis is showing bacteria and all sorts of crazy stuff, but like they're not complaining of urgency. They're not complaining of super pubic pain. They don't have costal vertebral angle pain. Um, like, I don't know. This is, <laughs> it's like everything's a little soft here. Like, uh, but they're not doing well, so we should do something. So, like, what, what can we do? Um, so, yeah, it's it's it, that's frustrating because like then you start down one course. I mean, much like this one patient with the the knee, like, well, we didn't have the cell counts, so we were like, well, gout seems to make sense. I don't, we don't really know. We don't have a great explanation for the bloodiness, but maybe it's like a traumatic tap, and that's why it's bloody. So let's start down the road of gout. So let's order some steroids. Let's possibly put some coltracine on. Um, the patient was already taking allopurinol, so I was like, let's just keep that on. And typically, you wouldn't start allopurinol, but like the patient was already been taking it, so I might as well just keep it going. And and then pain control and hydration and stuff like that. So it's like, but then like the cell count comes and it's like, well, I guess I don't need steroids anymore. <laughs> like, let's let's switch it up. Let's do let's do some antibiotics. <laughs> so that was a that was an easy decision. That that <laughs> when, when once that happened, it was like. Not convinced it's a total full-on septic joint, but I'm pretty sure there's something there that shouldn't be there. So that's, uh, I guess that's the nature. And then you try to write your note as clear as possible of like your entire process and what you're thinking so that you don't look like a complete moron later. (laughs) (laughs) And even then, like, I think the other aspect of being an intern is just sometimes being defensive and then realizing that you're being defensive over something and you just need to not. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week, but like I had a, had a second year resident I was handing off to basically say like, so you had a patient with chest pain, but you guys didn't do any uh, acute coronary syndrome workup. And it's like, well, the patient was in like a week ago, the same sort of thing. And, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cardiogenic. So we, we didn't feel like, and the patient's, temp, you know, doesn't, is very young and blah, 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 blah. And like, I was pretty defensive over like, you know, patient had chest pain <laughs> on the left side of the chest and you didn't at least do an ECG. You didn't like try to trend opponents or anything like at all. And it's like, ah, he's right you know, honestly, probably should have done something like that. But, and then there are times when you're like, hey, this, you know, this is upper left quadrant squeezing like pain. and eh, It's pretty soft for acute coronary syndrome, but it might be worth at least getting like an ECG and the attendee's like, nah, let's <laughs> not do that. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> and I guess that goes back to the, that can of worms argument, like, you can order lots and lots of extra tests and then like that could be very helpful in figuring out a diagnosis or trying to paint a, a picture that you're trying to find. But then you could end up painting a few extra pictures in the, in the process that are just like, Oh, now we're down this rabbit hole. We don't, I don't know how to explain this. Now I have to explain extra things that could just be random abnormalities as opposed to <laughs> this is actually, this is, crucial to everything like anyway 
Uh, that's that's admin team this week. Uh, I'm now on my second week now, I think. So yeah, um, it's honestly I can't complain. Like I had a like my worst day was like three admits, and like that. The only reason why that was kind of the quote unquote worst day is like. I got my last one at like 3.30. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be working this one until it's done. And so I think I was done around like 6, 6.30 or something like that. So Yeah. And that wasn't the one that... Yeah, I, I was at 6.30 the other day because my attending called me into the called me up to chat about the, multi, uh, the medical decision-making <laughs> component of my note. Uh, which is like a billing component, honestly. That's really all it is. Uh, in the ED, they tend to use it to kind of run down their thought processes, and it can be useful depending on the ED person that's writing it. Like sometimes it's like, ah, oh, this is the most condensed down version of what you saw, what you thought, and what you did. Like, and it's just very few lines. Like that's super nice. And some ED people just like, refer to my H and P and it's like your H and P is terrible. Um <laughs> that's not true for everybody, but it's true for some. And the, probably the most frustrating in thing for admit team is uh coming on there's like there's these different windows where there's handoffs going on in the E D. Like one E D team is leaving and the other E D team is coming and they've handed off patients and but then they also are now admitting them as well. And so you could end up talking to somebody who's like they they got handed the patient a few minutes ago and so they're trying to regurgitate what they were just told but like they also got handed like 15 patients and so they're they're not quite as up to date on your the patient that you're asking about or they haven't handed off the patient at all and so the patient's like or the ed provider's like uh let me look at the note oh there is no note like because some some ed physicians go home to finish and finish their notes which is in my opinion very frustrating <laughs> especially when it's like you just you just send in orders to admit this patient and you don't even have a note and it will pop in like three hours later and it's like that is so unhelpful like there's not even like an incomplete note that i can kind of glance at to see like a partial idea it's like no nah, i just got like the triage nurses note, and then I got some labs and vitals. Like that's what I got to work with. Like unhelpful. <laughs> but I mean, like, these aren't like crashing patients, so it's not like um, I, I don't know. The ones I've gotten so far have not been. They've been sick, sick enough for admission, but not like sick enough to be like, oh, I'm very concerned that they're going to code here, and we might have to consult critical care or something like that. Sometimes I just have to convince him to stay. <laughs> so, anywho, Karen's just nodding along. <laughs> no, I think you are enjoying it. I don't think it's probably going to be your most favorite rotation, but... The hours are hard to beat. Hours are pretty good. Hours are pretty good. I mean, I wish I had, like, two days off a week. <laughs> I, I mean, know. if I had to be selfish, like I would say, like, two days off a week would make this rotation just that much better. Um, I mean, there are days, this is going to I'm, I'm gonna sound maybe like a terrible resident, but like there's been a couple of days I've been running a little late and it, this rotation kind of works out nicely because we just go to the GME workroom and the attendings and the ED somewhere. And so the attending will just send a message with like the patient and be like, Hey, this is your patient now. 
and then we go see him. So there's been like one day where I was walking. I was still in the parking. I was from the parking lot. That's a quarter mile away. And I was walking in from the parking lot. And I got a message and was like, oh, okay. And I just whipped out my phone and just called the EDU attending. He's like, so as I'm walking in, I'm talking to the EDU attending, getting the sign out. And it's like, okay, at least I've done something. I'm maybe like five, 10 minutes late here, but like nobody, nobody's really going to know. <laughs> was that the morning that uh, we had multiple kids in our bed that night it could have been i don't know it's <laughs> yeah. all blending together <laughs> yeah but i mean on top of this rotation having like a little bit of downtime get some time to get some questions and you all done um i will admit that has been nice because after the kids go to bed eric has been we have had some time to talk and spend some time together as opposed to um, him getting on the computer and doing questions. So it's it's nice that he ha- when he has downtime between admits, he can get those questions done during the day. Yeah. So I, I end up, I still have, let's see, I have, this is my second week, so I have three more weeks of admit team, including this one. And then um, I will do continuity clinic. And then I believe I'm going to do three, four, three or four weeks of um, infectious disease, which I honestly am not very strong. I think my, my weakest ones in, in my mind right now are going to be nephrology and infectious disease because it has been so long since I looked at a sketchy video <laughs> to remind myself, like... Uh, which is gram positive, which is gram negative, and then which back to, which antibiotics work on gram positive and gram negative, and like I'm, I'm always racking my brain on like, was there a crow in that video? Because I you know I just want to pull that trigger on a erythromycin, you know, like a community acquired. Like, there are certain ones that are just like, okay, skin infection, clindamycin, uh, <laughs> uh, community acquired pneumonia. You can do a flo- you know, fluoroquinolone and. Um, like levothyroxine, you can also do like azithromycin and doxycycline's okay for some people. And like, there's a few that are like, okay, bread and butter stuff, no big deal. Um, and there's a, like, oh, urinary tract infection, you can do like TMP, SMX, and uh, nitrofuritonian, something or other. There's a few that are like, okay, these are these are straightforward ones. Like I know for sure. And then there's other ones. It's like I don't know. So will you be watching your sketchy videos I during will continuity I, clinic? Yeah, I'll be like, re, I'll be catching <laughs> up on like sketchy and trying to catch up on that. Question. Speaking of continuity clinic, last last continuity clinic, um, on your like study day that you had, you were doing your starting your write up before you found out that you couldn't have you actually contacted <laughs> no, the patient yet no oh. i need to it's a, on the list of all the other things i i probably should get done like pay scheduling for, step three <laughs> pay for step three pay for my step three <laughs> permit <laughs> schedule my step three uh contact this person and send a, a letter or a form for them to fill out to say that yes we can do a case report on her um I think I have other paperwork I have to do as well. So it's, it's always paperwork to do. Um, <laughs> that was supposed to get done today, but we... Uh, we 
we have been moving so many things. other things on. <laughs> well we moved all the kids upstairs and so we moved all the stuff that was upstairs downstairs which is why the audio is a little bit it was a little echoey last week yes and it so, took a lot of work to make it tolerable we have we hopefully, do have hopefully it was tolerable i didn't we, listen to the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> we are ordering some sound uh proofing or yeah some sort of sound absorption that will help the echo in this room like basically this is a an empty room that has nothing on the walls and no furniture except for this wooden, like wooden and metal desk and, and exercise my equipment. exercise equipment, <laughs> which uh, it's not exactly absorbing a lot of sound. So today we have blankets. Uh, you you like my decoration? I do. Yeah, it's, it's glorious. All the all my blankets are like strewn across the room in different areas and hoping to absorb some of the sound, turn the, the gain up on the microphone, down, I guess, on the microphones to to really try to, like, only capture our voices. <laughs> and I have this blanket, like, across the desk here. So, you know. Yeah. But, but next week we'll have some <laughs> some stuff on the walls, hopefully, and we'll yeah. maybe have a rug in here. We'll get there. A rug would be nice. I put my drum set in here. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I, we need to measure this room. Measure. Measure this. Sorry, I, I just, you always say it a little bit differently. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's not very nice. See, they creak for me. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is a, this is a, a battleground. <laughs> we say creak. Oh, okay. You're not, you're not a creak person? No, not oh, a creak okay. person. Okay. Although we did have a creak in our backyard growing <laughs> And then there was, uh, there was the bag or bag. Wash or wash. Anyway, we're getting into the else here. <laughs> Anyways, this is probably a good uh, time to uh, call it quits for this evening, but um, we will hopefully have better sound quality next week. And I'm not entirely certain what day you have off next week um, uh, because the schedule wasn't updated last I looked. Yeah, I think it's Wednesday, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent. Let's see here. Uh, oh, it's Monday. Monday. It's Monday. Okay, so we will hopefully record on Monday, so it will be ready on Wednesday. So um, we should be on time next week, and we're on time this week. We so are far, on time this week, <laughs> <laughs> barring any uh, complications. And uh, real good. Yeah. If you have any questions, feel free to Instagram us, um, and we will either answer that on the podcast or send shoot you back a message. Um, yeah. Any. Other closing remarks? Nope, that's it. We will see you all next week. Bye.